Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things, they push the human race forward. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. We've said a lot of times in our ministry, God has led us to places where we have fallen in love with weird people. We love so much of you guys. We love weird people. Because really, weird people are the ones that do things. Normal people don't get anything done. Normal people are just, you know, they're, they're just going along with the flow because I want to be normal. I mean, that's, what, that's one of the worst things that can happen to you today is to be labeled weird or crazy, right? Eccentric. You don't want to be that. You know, don't let anybody see. I, I got my weirdness, but I don't want anybody to see it, Pastor. We love the weirdness. It, it's, it's the weirdness. And, you know, and it's not, it, I guess the word weird, I, I would say, has gotten a bad rap because all weird really kind of means is out of the norm. And let me tell you something, when you look around and see what the norm is in this world, being out of the norm is not a bad thing. When you look and you see the pain and, the, and, and the, the trouble that's going on out there, being out of the norm is not a bad thing. This dark kingdom, no, 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 yes, this, this world was created as a place for you and I to live, but there is a kingdom that has taken control because of sin that has come into the world because of all the stuff we've done to destroy everything about this world. This, this kingdom that is now kind of that we're having to live in, it is a kingdom of darkness. And, and being outside of that, being outside of the norm of the, of, the, of the kingdom of darkness is saying, yes, I have to live here, but that's not my kingdom. That's not a bad thing. And so you'll get labeled weird or crazy. But if you ever get called weird or crazy for Jesus, and listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not going back to the old song back, you know, 10 or 20 years or however long it was. I'm, I'm not just going back to an old song. I'm saying if you ever get labeled that for Jesus, just understand you got one pastor that loves you because I love the, the crazies, the weirds, the eccentrics. Let me, let me read you a quote from uh, oh, John Stuart, what's it, John Stuart Mill, I can't remember, can't remember his name. 1859, that was a long time ago, right? Anybody remember him? Nobody knew him in school, right? 155 years ago, this is what he said. He said, the amount of eccentricity in a society has generally been proportional to the amount of genius. genius. Um, mental vigor and moral courage it contained. That so few people now dare to be eccentric marks the chief danger of our time. You get it? You know what he's saying? If you don't have crazy people, you don't have anything going on. And he said, and he's talking about 155 years ago, he's saying, we don't have any eccentrics around us now. So nothing's happening, nothing's being created, nothing's being invented, no, nothing amazing is happening in the world because everybody's just normal. We're really not, but everybody's just acting normal. And he said this 155 years ago, and he did, I doubt he realized he was a visionary. He was, he was almost prophesying about what was going to happen. Because if you think about it, and when you were in school, you know, if you think about 
all the eccentrics that you've heard about, say, up until the year 1900, you know, about 45 uh, or 40 years after uh, he said this. You think about all those, all those weird inventors and weird people that changed the world. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the Napoleons and those kind of people, the barbarians and those kind of people. I'm talking about the people that were, that were really involved in changing the world for, for good. They were eccentric. But, but how many of those do you know? How many of those did you study? But then when you look at the, the last century and a half, the last 120, 130 years, and, and you look at that, he didn't realize he was, he was prophesying of this. When you look at it and you, and you see all those names of Einstein and, and Tesla, Howard Hughes, and you know, uh, even Orville and Wilbur Wright, man, they were labeled as crazies. You know, all of those people that, that, that in just the past 120 or so years, and here's the really cool thing, is that Daniel also, the, 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 the book and the Bible that is our backdrop for this sermon series, Daniel also prophesied that this was going to happen. I think this guy was looking toward it, and he's saying it's going to happen, but Daniel also prophesied that. Here's just some homework. I dare you, go find where Daniel prophesies about that last 120 years or so in our lives and, and, and before our lives, just this last 120 in our generations. Go find it, and if you find it, message me, text me, uh, Facebook message me, something, and, and let me know you found it. I dare you, see if you can find it. Uh, but here was the prophecy that it was going to happen, okay? In, in that video we saw just a moment ago, it, it said that they don't like rules. Now, you got to understand the difference between truth and rules, okay? Orville and Wilbur Wright, they didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I disagree with the law of gravity, let's go fly. You know, th that's not what they said. What they said, they had to understand the law of gravity. They, they could not say the law of gravity doesn't work, the law of gravity isn't real. They couldn't say that because it, was, it, it is real. And they couldn't just deny it and that was gonna get them off the ground. They had to embrace and understand the law of gravity because the law of gravity is truth, right? If I step off here, what's gonna happen? I'm not gonna levitate. I'm going to fall. They had to understand that and some other truths and laws to be able to break the rule. And you know what the rule is? The rule is something that we've been saying, something that we have said about ourselves for hundreds of years uh, before Wilbur and Orville tried to fly. And the, the, the rule that we, have, that we have stated is that man cannot fly. And so what, what the rights did is they said, we understand the truth. There is a truth of gravity and there's some, a lot of other truths that we understand of aerodynamics and those things. We're not saying those truths don't exist, but we do not like the rule that we can't fly. We're going to do everything we can to break the rule because we want to fly. You getting this? Spiritually speaking, we know there's a truth. And the truth is the word of God. Listen, the word of God is not a truth. The word, is God, the word of God is not a bunch of truths. The word of God is truth. It's not a, some people think it's a book of rules. And, and so that, that's one of the things that made me a little nervous about playing that video because it says they don't like rules. Listen, the word of God is not a list of rules. The word of God is truth. Just like the law of gravity. It is truth. And, and, and in order to change your life and to do anything amazing in this world, you have to first accept what is truth. And then what you do is you look at the rules that everybody puts around you and says, you will never be any more than you are today. You are going to grow up to be exactly like your father, who was nothing. You're going to grow up to be a drunk just like him. You're going to, be, you're going to grow up to be just like your mother. And those are the rules that put, people put around you and on you and say about you. And, and, and what I'm telling you to do is understand the truth, the Word of God. And the Word of God says those rules are wrong. And the Word of God rebukes those rules and says, you can be more than that in Jesus Christ. 
You can be amazing. And so what you do is, just like the rice, you say, I understand the truth, but I refuse to accept the rules. I'm a little crazy. I thought I'd get an amen. Thank you for the chuckles, though. I'm a little eccentric because you know what? Because I don't like the rules either. Let me tell you some rules I don't like. You know what they say about you guys? You know what they say about you? Some of, the, some of you sitting here, they say, here's, here's, here's one of the rules, is that you are going to love this gathering on Sunday morning less than your fathers did. They say that especially about you guys right here. You're going to like it, you're going to love it and embrace it and enjoy it and relish in it less than your fathers did. You know why they say that? Because of history. Because if you look at generations, since like our great awakenings, you know, a little over 100 years ago, and the times where the church began to really be on fire. And we've had a few of those, you know, just little ones here and there. And, and, and we come through those times of revival that everybody, you know, everybody kind of, yeah, let's get, let's get excited again about Jesus. But it's like every generation, every succeeding generation just seems to fall a little bit farther away from that love for God and that love for one another. And let me throw this in again. You cannot love him without loving his church because his church is his body. So you cannot love him without loving his body. And so they say, I don't know who these, these they people are, but you know, they're, they're, the, they're the wise people because we always say they say, right? When we say they say, that means, you know, well, it, it's a rule because they say it. So they say that your generation is going to love God and love this, this congregational gathering, this, this being together less than your father's generation, who loves it less than the father's gener- their father's generation, da, 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 da. And they, they say that because of past history. But can I tell you something? A stat is not a rule. If they say, because, because you know, yes, it is obvious, look at it, and, and it is declined, and it is declined, and it is declined. And so that's the stat, so it must be a rule. No, I refuse to accept that. I refuse to accept, because look around you in this church today. Who enjoys this? You want me to tell you who the first people are here? These guys, this age group, you know who the last people are to leave? Hang around for about an hour and see. An hour after service and see these guys, you're enjoying, you're enjoying this and, and, and this, this connection that you have. Oh, and I just wish they could hand off some of it to the rest of you. Hey, listen, if I, if I got any 50-somethings and 60-somethings hanging around after church, y'all just let them hang with y'all up here, okay, for a little while. Let it, let it rub off on them again and let you remember because I refuse to accept because here, here's another thing they say about a lot, especially those, those people my age. Is, you, is, is if you are not a Christian today, you are probably never going to become a Christian. See, the stat is, is that 82% of the people that become Christians do so before their 18th birthday. That means there is a very small percentage of people who are going to become Christians after 18, in their 30s, and their 40s, and their 50s, and their 60s. 70, forget about it, man. 70 years, you 70 years old, never been a Christian, never been, never going to church, and never sold out to God. You are never going to become, the, the, the stats are just, and so what we've done is we made that a rule, right? But you remember, a stat is not a rule. What they say about yesterday that they're trying to portray about tomorrow does not hold I refuse to accept that. So go ahead and call me crazy if you want to, okay? I refuse to accept the fact that because look around you, because we've got people sitting here. We got people sitting here that, that were not Christians till much later in life, and here they are today. I, there's some awesome stories that we need to get on video to tell you guys, to see that happen. And, and let me tell you why I don't believe that as a rule. I believe it's a stat 
That happens in most places, but it is not a rule for my life. That if I meet a 78-year-old man that has never known Jesus Christ, I don't write him off and say he'll never be a Christian. You know why I know that? Because the very first convert I had as a young pastor was a man who lived across the street from me that sometimes he would come to church on Sunday morning with his wife, sometimes he wouldn't. And he, but he had never, ever become a Christian in his whole life. And on my birthday, we were, we were, we were heading out of town. And uh, so on Sunday, I preached. He wasn't there. And she wasn't there. And so that afternoon, I went over to check on them. They live right across the street from us. And uh, we, we were going out of town the next day, so I went, on, went over to check on them, make sure everything was all right. I get there, and the house is full. There's, there's family there, and some of the family are very anti-Christian. And I'm standing, standing there with him, and, and, and he has never really opened the door for me to really talk to him about spiritual matters. But that day, God said, open the door yourself. And so I stopped, and I got down close enough for him to hear me where I could talk, and most, especially those that, that were very anti-Christian, I didn't want them to come over and interrupt me. I didn't want them to know what I was talking to him about. And so I talked to him, and I asked him, and I, and I talked to him just briefly and asked him, was he not ready to give his heart to Jesus? And guess what he said? He said, yes, and right there with, in the middle of a crowd of his family and even the anti-Christians that if they had known what we were praying right then, they would have stopped us dead. They would have come over and stopped me right then and asked me to leave. In the middle of all that, this 78-year-old man, for the first time in his life, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's why I know that their stats of yesterday do not give me a rule that I have to live by and look to for tomorrow. The next morning we got up to go to, I think we were taking the kids to Six Flags for my birthday. I go to the kitchen sink and I look out the window across the, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to wash my hands what I'm doing, but I look across the road, there's an ambulance in his, in his drive. I tell Dave, I said, slow down. We might not be going anywhere today. And I go over and he has had a stroke. They take him to the hospital. After he's there many hours, they ask me if I'll sit with him for a little while to give them a break, and I give them a break, and I'm able to talk to him, but he can't talk back. He, 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 he is so distraught, he, he can't even, he can't say anything to me, he can't even, and less than 24 hours later, he is gone. And a 78-year-old man who did not know Jesus for 78 years, knew him for 48 hours, and he closed his eyes in this, on this earth and he opened his eyes to see his savior in heaven. Amen, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't believe the rule. Don't give me a rule, give me the truth. And the truth is whosoever will. The truth is that he died for everybody. There's no age limits on all that. So give me all the rules. You, I don't believe the rules, I believe that Jesus Christ can do anything he wants to. And so whatever you need from him today, hear it. Hear it in him. But you got to get ready for it. You got to get yourself in a place. You got to get yourself in a position. Oh, so here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where it really gets tough. I got to read to you. You know, I ran across, uh, I ran across this, this happened. John Piper, pastor, of, I don't even know how many years, 40 years, I guess, at Be Bethlehem Baptist Church. And uh, probably getting close to the place of retirement, meaning that he's going to step down from pastoring, but he's still going to preach. I mean, you know, that's kind of what we do, you know. You don't, you don't ever really retire if you're called to ministry like that. And somebody asked him, they asked him, what's, this is, so give, give us some explanation of how a, a Christian lives in one kingdom, but he m maintains his citizenship of the other kingdom. Now, that's not really what they asked him. It would have been really cool if they had, because that would have really fit with the message here today. I mean, you would have seen it too. I set it up that way because I wanted you to see how this does fit. 
Because they ask him, here's the question they ask, and I'm still not going to give it to you exactly word for word because I don't want you to see it in this pigeonhole right here. But they ask him, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the program we were talking about, but they ask him, is it okay for a Christian to watch this program or this kind of program because of the stuff that's involved in it? And it was that question that he answered. But you know what they were talking about? They were saying a Christian who is part of that kingdom is all right for them to deal and dabble in this kingdom also. You know, where does it, where does it break down? Where's, and, this, he, and this was actually alive, but they have transcribed it. Here's the quote for it. Let, let me read this. This is three slides long, so stay with me. He says, the closer I get to death and meeting Jesus personally, you, you listen to the, to the weight of what he is saying here, okay? The closer I get to death and meeting Jesus personally, face to face, and giving an account for my life, and even for all the careless words that I've spoken, and in case you don't know what he's talking about, he throws the scripture in there for you, Matthew 12, 36. The more I am sure of my resolve to never intentionally look at a television show or a movie or a website or a magazine where I know I will see photos of film or, nudi- or films of nudity. Never. That is my resolve. And the closer I get to death, the, more better, or the better I feel about that and the more committed I become. Frankly, I want to invite all Christians to join me in this pursuit of great purity of heart and mind. In our day... When entertainment media is virtually the lingua franca or the the common language of the world, this is an invitation to be an alien. He's inviting you to be crazy, be weird, be eccentric, be an alien. And I believe with all my heart that what the world needs is radically bold, sacrificially loving, God-besotted freaks and aliens. I like this 60-something-year-old preacher. In other words, I'm inviting you to say no to the world for the sake of the world. They need you to say no to them, is what he's saying. The world does not need more cool, hip, culturally savvy, irrelevant copies of itself. And that is a hoax that has duped thousands of young Christians. They think they have to be hip, cool, savvy, culturally aware, watching everything, he means like TV, movies, and uh, online, watching everything in order to not be freakish. And that is undoing them morally, it's undoing, the, it's undoing them personally, morally, and it's also undoing their witness. Join me in the pursuit of the kind of purity that sees God and knows the fullness of joy in his presence and the everlasting pleasure at his right hand. Pretty radical, isn't it? But if I stand up here today and tell you, Jesus loves you how you are, you don't need to change a thing. I don't change anything. But it's only, he's an eccentric. He's a radical. He's one of the crazies. He's one of those that believes that Christians ought to not just come to church for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday and pray and read their Bible for five minutes a day the rest of the week. He actually believes that things ought to change about our life because when we become a Christian, we no longer are citizens of this kingdom anymore, but we're citizens of a different kingdom. And things ought to change. So they, uh, how, how can things change like that, Pastor? How can it become? Jesus said, that's what I've come to do. I've come to draw the line between the two kingdoms. Now, he didn't say it that way. In, in the book of Luke, let's read scripture right there. Jesus said, I've come to draw the line between the two kingdoms. I've come to bring division, not peace. So we're, we're, we're running around trying to find a church that'll make us feel better about where we live right now. And Jesus said, I didn't come to make you peaceful about where you live right now and how you're living your life right now. I came to bring division. I came to draw the line so you'll know the difference in the kingdom that you're having to live in, but the kingdom that I want you to belong to, that you were begotten in. 
In Luke chapter 12, verse 51 through 53, do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said, I came to bring division. And and the reason, what he's saying is, I didn't come to bring division because I want to break everybody up, but we've allowed these two kingdoms to kind of coexist and to co-mingle, and some of us don't know where they break anymore. And we've got to wake ourselves up and realize here's what Jesus is saying. Is he saying we've allowed these things to coexist, commingle, and, and so now th- there's no division between this kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light anymore. And some of you are dealing with this because the people in your own family, they're saying you're crazy. You know, to, to be that on fire for Jesus. You know, to, to, to make all of your decisions based on your relationship. You're, you're, you know, you're just a little, little bit too much of a Christian. What does that mean? Too much of a Christian. I mean, is that like you're a little too pregnant? You know, you either are or you aren't. Oh, can I get an amen here? You either are or you aren't. You're not almost a part of another king. You're either part of the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. And I know people, they're looking at you and they're, they're saying, oh, but you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. And they challenge you in that way. But listen, here's, here's, let, me, let me explain the division to you. The division is not between the normal people and the crazy people, okay? Because that's what those who don't look crazy want you to believe. If you're crazy, you're going you're gonna to be so different than everybody else. Look around you. See these people around you? You are surrounded by weird people. And it's a good thing. Because if these people around you weren't weird... You would feel really strange being the only weird person in the room. Because you are, aren't you? Come on. You're weird. I heard one man say, he said, I told my friend the other day, I think everybody in the world's crazy but me and you, and sometimes I worry about you. You know, what, what my norm is means everybody else in the world is weird and crazy. The way I do things is normal, so the way you do them is weird and crazy. Everybody in this room has eccentricities about them. They have differences about them. And so, you know, sometimes we say, embrace your individuality. But when the world says that, they mean don't live by the laws. What I'm saying is break the rules and, and embrace individuality. Yes, understand the laws, the things that will never change. But those things that other people have put on you and tried to make you normal, tried to make you like everybody else, Try to make you feel bad if you don't look a little different or act a little different or stand for God a little different. Here it is. Here's the truth. The truth is every one of us are weird. But the ones that are bold enough to stand up and say, I embrace what God has put inside of me. I embrace that because he gave that to me so that I can be the different one that can make a difference in this world. I can impact life. Those are the ones, the ones with that kind of boldness are the ones who are actually going to change the world. Because if you're just a normal Christian, you're just a normal Christian, it's not going to happen. Boldness. Boldness, he calls us to. Boldness like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You you know who these guys were? I'm not going to tell you about the miracle. Probably most of you know about the miracle. If if you don't remember it, go read it some more. But let me show you, this is the important thing about them. Is Daniel chapter 3 verse 12. There were some of the, the leaders of Babylon had come, to the, had come to the king and said, there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the prophets of Babylon. These Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, 
They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither, neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got the attention of the highest level of people in the country, even the king. And, and these, 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 these uh, confidants of the king, these counselors to the king, they said, oh king, you've got some, who, who you've got in leadership, and they don't even serve your God, they don't even serve, they serve some other God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is their name. Can I tell you how they got the king's attention, how they got these leaders' attention? Not because they were Jews. If you were here last week, you'll remember this. They were not just cultural Jews or cultural Christians we were talking about last week. They didn't just call themselves that because, well, my dad was a Jew, and I, I guess I, that makes me a Jew, huh? Culturally, I'm a Jew. They, it's not, they were, there were lots of Jews that were worshiping. There were lots of Jews that were now worshiping the false gods of Babylon. They didn't get attention because they were Jews. They didn't get attention because they used to go to temple worship. The, they're, they're, they didn't say, hey, there's some Jews and they used to go to the temple all the time and, and there may be some here that's not really sold out. They're really sold out. And they go to the temple all the time back, back in Jerusalem. So, you know, you're going to have a problem with that. That's not how they got his attention. By being affiliated with a church somewhere. Say, so, yeah, I got a church. When I was a teenager and a young 20-something, I used to play a couple of seasons of church softball every year. Between that and church basketball, it's what used to keep me in shape. I have to fight it a little bit now. Uh, you see, I don't fight very hard, though, you know, I don't really, but uh, I fight it a little bit. And, you know, one of the things we used to laugh about is, is you would say, now, you really have to go to the church to play softball. So we used to joke, like, do you know the color of the carpet in the church? Tell us the color of the carpet, then we'll know that you actually do go to the church, right? But there's a lot of people that know the color of the carpet. But they're just congregational Jews or congregational Christians. There were a lot of that. That is not how, you know how, it was that third word, you remember from last week? Convictional that there were things in their life that they made decisions about based on their conviction of relationship and commitment to Jesus Christ. That because they were committed to him, there were things they changed about the way they acted, places they went, things they did. I read an article, well, I didn't read the whole article. I got it saved so I can read it later, but I read as much as I could and got interrupted. And I, got, I, I actually have it still open in my browser so I can read it later. And it was about Get this, sexual atheism. Sexual, what in the world does this mean? And that's something that you guys are facing right now. Because what is happening, and they're saying this, okay, there's those they say again, but they say that what is happening is is the, the young unmarrieds of the Christian world even today also have, start, have, started to, have started to allow themselves to be, become sexually active as if it's okay because, and, and here's how it's happening is because what they have done is they have decided that God has nothing to say to me on this particular subject. He can tell me how to live my life about my job, about my finance, he can tell me I need to pay my tithes. When I get sick, he can tell me how to pray and get well, but he has nothing to say to me about my sexual uh, activities, my sexual identification. And so Christians are saying, and so, so the, the writer of this article calls it sexual atheism. But here, here's the whole thing. It's not just about sexual, because a lot of Christians are that way about some other area of their life. A pastor, you can preach to me all you want to about everything else. Don't you preach to me about paying my tithes because I ain't going to do it. That's a financial atheist. And you know what? Here again, you can't be almost a Christian. 
You can't be almost pregnant. You can't be somewhat of a Christian. You can't be 90% of a Christian. You can't be 90% sold out to God. It is all or nothing. And you say, well, pastor, you know, that, you sound like you're making it really hard. No, no, here, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you these guys right here saw an amazing miracle, and not just one. They saw amazing miracles happen in their life, but they didn't happen because they were atheists about one area of their life and they served God and everything else. But it was because they made their declaration, this is my identity. I belong to a different kingdom than this kingdom. And they stood up about it and they didn't care who knew it. You know, something just occurred to me, I think just in preparing for this message, I don't know how many times I've preached about this whole story right here. Something just occurred to me is they were leaders. They, they were around, there was this new idol that had been erected, this huge statue, and everybody was supposed to bow to it. This statue was so big, it wasn't put up in five, 10, 15 minutes. It was not a surprise when they say, okay, everybody's gotta bow down, and now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? Because we're not supposed to bow down to idols. They saw this thing going up. They were in leadership, they could have easily planned a business trip out of town that day. You see what I'm saying? is they chose the opportunity, find me a time, come on. Find me a time to stand for you, God. Find me a way to stand up and let everybody know that I belong to your kingdom. Find a way, Lord. Find me some opportunity to show people that I love you and I trust you and everything I've got. But, but instead, most of us, it seems today, wanna back up and just be normal Christians. There is no normal. And let me tell you, every day that goes by in this country, normal Christianity, is falling farther. You can no longer be a normal Christian in this country. It's going away. Very quickly, let me tell you about being bold like Daniel. I, I, I gotta close, my, time, my time's up. I, I gotta share this real quick if I can, about being bold like Daniel. Daniel said, and you got scripture references up there and they're online, uh, at, the, at the bottom of that Sunday's page is, the, is the, the outline of today's sermon. But when they were brought the diet that the king wanted them to have, meats, who knows what kind of meats it was in the Jews, you know, they were only supposed to eat certain meats. Wine, and it probably wasn't, you know, a little bit of, maybe a little fermentation in there, it's probably wine, you know? And Daniel said, we just can't do this. We just can't, and so he said, just let us have some vegetables and water. Now there was a great miracle that happened there, but I'm not preaching to you about the miracles, I'm preaching to you about how to get the miracles. There was a great miracle that happened there. So, but I want you to see what happened every day he, was, he stood out. Every day he was different. Every meal they had, he was different. Everybody else was eating whatever meat they had, and it could have been anything. Not just stuff you and I like today. It could have been anything. And he just ate vegetables and drank water. Every, every meal he stood out. Someday, you know, sometimes you stand out if you say grace anymore today. You, know, you, you might forget to say grace when you have dinner with me, and I might forget but we're gonna say grace if I remember to. I'm gonna tell Jesus thank you. Oh, I gotta tell you this, okay, it just came to my mind and I don't have time to tell you everything that's in my mind, but I, I gotta tell you this one. Does it not bless you though when you're, you're sitting somewhere and you see a young couple with a couple little kids and they stop, bow their heads, maybe they even join hands and they ask the blessing? Does that not bless you? Okay, one, one day, uh, you know, and I don't like eating alone. I, I, I actually despise drive-through, you know, getting something to go. I actually despise that because you get home and it's never, you know, what it was supposed to be. Or you get halfway down the street and you take a drink of your sweet tea and it's not sweet. You know, I, I despise, but the thing I hate worse than that is I really hate eating alone. But one day, and this was quite a few years ago, 
And I, I was sitting in, I, I can tell you where the Wendy's is. I was sitting in a Wendy's and I was, I sat down to eat and I just kind of put my hands in my, you know, my lap, you know, and just bowed my head and I just, just started praying. Now, you know, I know some people, some people, they, they, they just can't stand out that much. I really feel like I need to pray. So they drop a napkin and, and they say, oh, I dropped a napkin. I'm sorry, Jesus, please bless this food. Amen. And, uh, I wonder if he listens to that. Yeah. So there I am, you know, I bow my head, I close my eyes and I'm, and I'm praying. I don't remember what I say, but I just, all of a sudden I just thought about, you know how much it's a blessing to me to see that. I wonder if anybody's looking at me right now. What do you think when you think that? Oh, somebody's looking at me. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, 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 oh, my eyes are, uh, you know, I just have a problem with my eyes. What, what, what do you do? Or do you say, oh, there was something bad. I just, I was staring at that something, you know, you know what, what I did when I thought, you know, that's a blessing to me when I see people. You know what I thought? I wonder if somebody's watching me. I want to be a blessing a little bit longer. So I just prayed a little bit longer. And I just prayed a little bit longer. And I was just, and I was, and I, I know I began smiling. I was thinking, oh God, please let somebody be looking at me that needs the blessing. I, I believe God probably spoke that to my heart right then because there was somebody there that needed that. I believe he spoke that to me. You know, and, and so every time we say grace, we're like Daniel. We'll stand out. Does it bother you or do you embrace it? I dare you, embrace it. Embrace the standing out. Every time there was a, a movie night, he was like, John Piper, not gonna watch anything that I know has got nudity in it. Not gonna watch it. Now, I know they didn't have movies back in those days, but, but uh, Daniel, there was entertainment going on that was not righteous and he had to be the same way. And, and every happy hour that came, he was not there. Tipping them with everybody. And here, let me show, let me show it to you. You see the scripture, Daniel 1, 8, where he says, we don't want that food. And so that made him stand out. But in Daniel chapter 5, verse 12, here's, here's what happens in Daniel chapter 5. It is, is there's a party going on and God interrupts it and he starts writing on the wall. And all of the wise men, none of them can interpret it until finally the queen says, hey, Belshazzar, King Belshazzar, let me tell you, there's a man named Daniel in your kingdom. He's one of your leaders. He can tell you what that writing, because he, he interpreted, he interpreted the, 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 uh, the dreams of your father, Nebuchadnezzar. And so she says, call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. I can tell you all the rest of the story. I can tell you what the writing means. We could preach about that for a couple of weeks. But the important thing to me in this story is that she said, call for Daniel. You know why? Because Daniel wasn't at the party. Daniel was not in a place where things of unrighteous nature were going to take place. He was not in a place where people had to wonder, does he need a, does he need a designated driver when it's over here tonight? He was not there, and so they had to call for him. He was not in the middle of what they were doing. He was there waiting to be called in the middle of what they were doing, not so he could participate, but so that he could bring the power and the vision of God to bring deliverance to those who were under the bondage of that. And here's the problem. Here, look at it. It's when the, when the Christian church begins to live, not just in, but to embrace and become a citizen of this dark kingdom, we become a part of that. And then when the world says call for them because they know how to pray, we don't have a, pray to pray, a prayer to pray. We don't have anything to say. We can't bring liberty and peace and joy and hope anymore into the situation because we are no longer part of, the, we're no longer an alternative to the culture. We have become part of the culture and God is calling you to be bold enough 
to be an example of an alternate to the culture. Be culture alternate. That's what he's calling. Young people, listen to me. He is calling you to, to be the cultural alternative to those who are around you. In this world, I mean, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, because here, here's what they, they, they want. They want it to all be about, you know, heaven, heaven and, and earth, you know, about eternity and right now. And say, so, well, I'm happy with everything right now. It's not about here and then. It's not about right now and one day. It's about culture. Next time somebody tells you that, take out your smartphone. Open up your browser. Get to the Google page. Set it to only pull up sites of the last year. And then type in something like famine. And go to the images and show them the pictures of famine just in this last year. Type in beheadings and just show them the pictures and the videos from just this past year. As, as you uh, type in abuse, type in molestation, type in sex addicts. So oh, you better stay away from that one unless you've got a good filter on you. You know why? Because what we, what we are living in today is nothing we want to be a part of. And so the next time they say, I'm happy with all this, show them the pictures. Is this what you're happy with? God has called us to make our declaration known. This is my identity. This is not the kingdom that I am a part of, but I've been blood bought by the precious sweet blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm a part of a kingdom that is to come that is still powerful over all of this that is happening today. He's calling out some leaders. He's calling out some leaders. And you can't lead from the middle of the pack. You got to get out front. Any Shadrachs, Meshachs, Abednego's here today. Please, would you stand with me, everyone? And I invite you, come join us in there.